Welcome in, everybody, to the 19th installment of the Dogs Football Podcast, the Dayton Post Recap. Here we are on this Monday, as we said we would be. It's good to hear that theme song once again. We heard it after the game, but we will get into that uh, with your host, Nick Malone, joined by my co-host, Noah Lurch, as always. Noah, we came, we saw, and we conquered a game that we knew kind of would be the outcome of it, and we're honestly not surprised, are we? Yeah, not at all. Uh, we uh, bouncing back off of the tough loss at Kansas State. Um, really showed what we're made of. Really, we outmatched Dayton. That's not a nothing against them. That's a good football team over there. They're going to go compete in the Pioneer League Conference and maybe even earn an automatic bid for the playoffs out of that conference. So nothing against them. They were just overmatched all night long. You're right, and we did look beforehand about their scholarship situation and how they are as a football program, right? That Because we wondered if they were at all. What was the status on that? They cannot give athletic scholarships. They can help with, uh, like, academic stuff, but uh, that is it. And honestly, when we saw them warming up, we kind of had a feeling we were going to have uh, the advantage and, uh, you know, leverage in terms of talent. And they showed it. We will get into the game here shortly. We have some other things to cover beforehand. And actually, we want to talk about the atmosphere and what we uh, had a feeling and hoping it would be like for this opening game on how we talked so so much about that the players and team and the coaches deserve to have. And they did show out, Noah, but... Actually, let's go ahead and talk about the attendance. What, 73? What was the exact number? Do you have a 7,300-something total there if we if we go back to our predictions i was in the 90 i was in the 9,900 you were 7338 okay so that is a lot uh like i said mine was 9,900 yours was in the 6,000s right almost half 67 62 so we were you were really close and i remember we were sitting there and when you asked me what it was and you told me to pick on the spot i said 7,200 off the blue and it was like 20 something off, which was funny, but yeah, 7300. We cannot, uh, you know, be disappointed in that at all. Obviously, that's you know, in the middle of what we both figured it would be. We know it wasn't going to sell out, but it got dang close. And before that, when we came in and, and knew what the you know, what everything looked like with the student sections and every, everywhere else, we walked around knowing when we got there and we wanted to check out how the tailgating situation was going. And there were a lot of tents over there. We were honestly, we remember in the past, and obviously this was way before COVID and everything, and I, that probably has nothing to do with how people, you know, want to do it because it happens all around the country. That really has nothing to do with it. But we remember because the area we park is kind of catty corner from the facilities and we walk a little bit down the road and around. We walked around this time. Usually there's tailgating going on right there like kind of close to uh, right in front of the engineering building uh, that stretches everywhere. I remember even back when I was in high school, it was that way when we weren't good. So you think, you know, now that we're good, uh, where it all is. And obviously it, it was all on the other side, the big parking lot, as we assumed it would be, Noah. And it wasn't it wasn't too bad. We followed people on uh, social media that were out there. So there were a lot of, a lot of students and a lot of non-students out there celebrating before the game. Like I said, there were, you know, there was a decent amount. We kind of hoped there'd be a lot more, but it, it was an all right amount. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, we all, like you said, we walked up around the arena and uh, looked like a good turnout in the main lot. But yeah, we were, uh, we did not get over there because of work 
for that pre-tailgate from three o'clock with like the guys from uh, Sports Voice. But uh, I'm sure it was a good turnout, a good good time. And yeah, when we we went in, as soon as we got there, we went in the stadium to see uh, what was going on around there, and uh, people just kept filing in once the game started. Yeah, and it didn't look too great right away when we did get in there. It wasn't a lot of people. We understand there was a lot of people outside, and you're right. They kept filing in after that. As soon as we got there, too, the band was playing. They were marching their way over to the stadium. So uh, the the band was good, of course, as usual, carrying the way. But the student section was pretty big, and we mentioned 7,300, and it definitely showed uh, from from the far left side of the home stadium all the way to behind the field goal post all the way past student section of the band. And Dayton did have a decent amount of fans. They did probably enjoy this game, but again, we'll get to that shortly. Noah, now let's get to obviously being the opening game. We knew there were going to be quite a people in attendance even before that. And just in general, you have a feeling who's going to show up. Before we walked up, we did see this before we got in there. We saw a couple uh, basketball assistant coaches, uh, walking around, so I'm assuming they made their way in. But, no, as we know, there were recruits that mentioned that they were going to be at this game, and I'm sure, obviously, they were not too disappointed in the outcome. Uh, our boy that we mentioned, because Jimmy Lansing, we talked to him about meeting him, but we did see him there. He was with Charles Young, Noah, who obviously Jimmy is committed. Charles is not. He's got a commitment coming up early October, I believe. Uh and I remember he posted after that he had a good time, but he was there knowing we didn't know who else was with them because there were, before we get into some others that we knew that, that were there, there were a couple that we couldn't really scope out of who they were, but they were wearing the same tags or name tags or whatever, or lanyards that everyone else was wearing. It was interesting because obviously there's players there that we haven't probably heard of before. Yeah, I'm sure there was. Uh, there was uh, multiple with different with the field passes on that we didn't couldn't, that didn't tweet that they were going to be at the game or that uh, we haven't heard of, that we're just inviting kids. Maybe we're slowly getting, slowly recruiting them, just now starting fresh, and we invited them to my game. But, yeah, um, saw a couple others, like Daniel Mora. He was there. looked like he had a brother, his little brother. They maybe twins. We didn't know who was who at first. Yeah, uh, looked like maybe he was an older, a little brother than Daniel. Then uh, Pierce Humpich was invited as well, so he showed up too. He was wearing uh... – a shirt definitely that had his name on and stuff. And a lot of these guys showed up and left at some point, but uh, yeah, we did see, cause we, we, Jimmy and Charles and whoever they were with were on, out on the field and they worked their way up to the stands, but everyone else was sitting. We, we did notice Pierce coming up. I think he was with his parent. He was wearing his name tag as well. And he tweeted after the game too. So, um, was there anybody at miles Marshall was actually, we didn't see him sitting down. I remember when I, we're my way down to use the restroom at the concourse. I did see him. He was tall. He was there. He was leaning up against the pole or something, but definitely recognized him. He was there. So everyone that said they were going to be there did know. So that's great to see. And like I said, they weren't disappointed. Jimmy, I think, I think Jimmy was the one who lasted the longest there. And obviously he's the one that's committed out of all these guys. So he, uh, you know, semi had a reason, but it was good to see because whenever they were standing on the field, he got a up close personal view of the offensive line that was working there in warmups. Yeah, um, several coaches made their way over to the guys, and uh, I know some. I saw the recruits down there talking to each other. So I'm sure our our boy Jimmy's doing his best to see if he can get any guys to come along with him to play for this team in the, in the future. Yeah, I'm sure. And he actually he was wearing a backwards hat that said "Run the damn ball." So uh, that's great to see. Obviously, being a lineman and all, 
and yeah, hopefully him and Charles sparked up a lot because we know they on the field they also met with the Moras, whether it was in the stands or on the field. I think it was on the field, and they were talking to them, so they were all getting the gist of everything and seeing how we did warm-ups and what the atmospheres were like. So, yeah, hopefully he uh, convinced those guys because, like I said, Charles' decision's coming up soon. I'm sure the others are as well. Uh, a couple more, uh, some obviously non-football-related. Uh, actually, there, there are a couple we'll get to at the very last, but no other basketball team showed up. We did notice them uh, walk up and some that we – because we sat at the very top of our section – and we saw them at the gates, almost about to come in. Uh, and they had an important recruit with them. Uh, we will save that for the basketball pod. So he was there with the entire team. And if anyone's familiar with you know Illinois basketball, there was a, a pretty good Illinois. But well, we say pretty good. We're a fan of them. We're hoping he plays this year. But he was there. Kind of surprised to see him. He was with somebody else. But he was friends with uh, Stephen Verplanken, I believe. So. Uh, they were there, basketball team, they, they were there for most of the game. They moved around a lot, but they left at some point. We watched them leave, went back, hopefully to – it was too late. They weren't in the gym, but they were off doing their own thing. Uh, and then, Noah, speaking of that, because we did talk about uh, – this is quickly, and I'll say I'll say for basketball about a certain player that we don't think is on the team anymore. Um, and then, Noah, we did see some two important alumni, uh, one that decided to not play this fall – and then one who dealt with so many injuries over the course of his career that he had that final year. I was it in the spring or last we well, didn't play last fall in the spring, I think, but he wasn't able to for more injuries. He suffered no Luke Geagling and Kyle Kreider were in attendance and Luke is definitely a character. Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, there was multiple others off the top of my head. I can't think of that were there, but uh, I was sitting in the same group with them. And uh, yeah, Luke is a, and was having a great time himself. We know the character he is, the energy he has on the football football field, but uh, he is a character. He's doing his best to get on the big board, but he never made it. No, and he was dancing around a lot of time. He was consuming uh, alcohol, but, uh, you know, that'll do that to anybody. But like we said, he's like that anyway, so he was having a good time. Good to see the alumni showing out, and, uh, you know, they worked their way down to the field at the very end, too, and they were yelling throughout. They were invested, so... Good to see those guys here. Uh, and then, so that's everyone that was like a lot of important people made their way into this game. As expected, some we knew were showing up. It was good to see those alumni and the basketball team show up, as I'm sure it'll be the case for football with basketball's home opener. It's important to see. So, uh, especially we mentioned the student section, how good of a crowd it was. We hope that it continues, and we'll get to that because Nick and uh, others preach that they – Want to, want to keep seeing it, and we'll be seeing it hopefully next week. So there's how the game, the attendance and the atmosphere went. Uh, it was pretty good throughout. I wanted to mention a couple of things we didn't talk about. Uh, Before we move on, I will mention, for the students' sake, Brian Mullins and Nick Hill put out free Chick-fil-A sandwiches for the students today from 12 to 12.30 if they showed up to the game Saturday. So they probably had some – that's probably why a majority of them showed up, I'd say. I agree, and you're right. They did re- literally recently just post that they were giving those out today, and I'm glad you said because they had a uh, on the video board Brian talking about that. So they they uh, did it to fruition today, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it segues me into we mentioned on the preview that Nick was on in the dog pound with uh, Mullins, and we mentioned how uh, obviously Nick was there as a player and. Uh, left the team whenever Brian got there. So they were joking about that. And Nick said that he 
Coach Kill obviously convinced him that once Samburski was gone, that it was his job. That obviously at that point, near that point, it was time for him to leave the basketball team. And they talked about talked about a couple of things personally, and obviously what it's like as alumni to be head coaches and carry the load, not only in a pandemic but just overall since they've both been here, and what it means to them to coach their alma maters and the burden it is and the uh, importance and the. Uh, uh, trying to think of the word, but the what the the gosh the confidence or whatever that they have to withstill and to uh, provide success in general. They talked about that a lot of that, and, and that was really detailed. But they also talked about Brian asked him in the point uh, five seconds uh, the very and asked him all these questions, and he got to one that we were all we've been I think curious about ourselves. He asked him if he would have put the football team together into a starting five for basketball. Who would be? And honestly, no, we're not we're not surprised by a lot of these. One he mentioned obviously was Javon. We understand Centroy. He did play basketball as well, and he's a heck of an athlete. Obviously, uh, he mentioned him. He mentioned Zach Zabrowski. He mentioned that he was a good player up in Minnesota. That he was on a team with a five star recruit. Uh, that he would he would have been the point guard. He's good. Nick did say himself. Obviously, former basketball player, pretty good. That he put himself in there. And then Noah, he mentioned the two big boys uh, or two leading. Edge rushers on the defensive line, uh, Jordan Burner and Anthony Knighton. No surprise there to see those big boys. He mentioned uh, the ability to rebound and just be physical. Yeah, you mentioned Javon. Having to play against Javon, he's a heck of a player. Then uh, I was kind of surprised he didn't mention uh, Bryson Strong because we've I played against we both played against him too. We seen what kind of basketball player he was. He did a lot of dirty, the dirty work for those great Belleville Altoff teams, but. Uh, yeah, it was a surprise seeing Anthony and Jordan. I'm sure, I'm sure they played maybe played basketball in high school. I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, there's probably several others that probably played pre- pretty decent basketball players in high school. But I wouldn't hate to disagree with what he said. No, and they mentioned how they both can definitely dunk two-handed. Great athletes. He did mention uh, Anthony was getting looks from Division One basketball programs in high school when they were recruiting him. So, yeah, no surprise, um, especially with – I'd hate to box out Anthony Knight, I'll just say that. But uh, there was that. We did want to get some the details in on that interview. And then, Noah, there was also one with Kevin Glacian. Gene Green got the chance to interview him. Uh, and he was talked about how he does love Carbondale. He loves the culture that we've had with this football team. And Noah, he did mention, because obviously we were in on another recruit out of San Diego, that he's the one who mentioned to Kevin about SIU, right? Yeah, um, his teammate, uh, Lucas Laciendo, a tackle who ended up at North Dakota State. Um, while we were getting, we were looking at him in several other Valley schools, and apparently Lucas gave uh, Nick Hill the, the contact information for Kevin. We ended up with him, so we can't thank Lucas enough. We'll see him later hopefully in the playoffs. You're right. And uh, we don't know the status on if he's playing with them or not. He is a transfer. I'm assuming uh, he might work his way into the – we'll get down the road. Uh, well, we don't play him this year. Down the road, if we if we do play them, yeah, we will see if he's on there. But you're right. We were in on him hard because we wanted him uh, for us, and I'm sure the team did as well. And he's not going to turn down North Dakota State, obviously. So, uh, yeah, that is great because Kevin's definitely made an impact so far this season. He did in this game, as we'll get to. He also mentioned Noah what he what his plans were after football. We know obviously a lot of these guys will have pro aspirations, so they will do the most they can with uh, seeing what they can do there 
but definitely he mentioned how the degree that he's in is a lot of finance, a lot of everything that his dream one day is to be on wall street. Isn't it? That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal for him. He, uh, he actually is working for a financing company during the season. So if he's doing both of that already, that tells you what kind of per- person he is. He is a graduate student in the business administration department. So that's just, if he's working for a financing company already and he'll, I'm sure he'll do great and end up on wall street one day, like he wants to. No doubt. He did sound and he was confident. Like he is definitely a, uh, you know, that he'll aspire to be that. I'm sure he will one day. So like I said, he will try, I'm sure for pro aspirations for football. Not everybody does obviously, but uh, because they love us so much, they'll try. So yeah, shout out to him. He enjoys being where he's at. And like we said, we enjoy having him because he's definitely made an impact as we expected he would being that defensive player of the year where he came from. So some more information we wanted to get to before we got into this game. And now, no, let's get into this game. As we said, we both recall our let's get into our what our predictions first were uh going into this game we had we didn't know what the spread was we did want to mention what did the spread end up being at game time at game time it ended up at 30 points 30 and we both at the time when we were working when that finally did come out we were kind of like you know that's a lot because we we were guessing around the what the 19s or the whatever we were thinking well we'll take him we'll take whatever it is plus odds when it got that high we were kind of skeptical in general, it's hard to do that. It's hard to beat teams by that much. Clearly, it wasn't too hard. Um, so we did predict that. We And we, we both were going to take the over and then uh, us minus the points, right? Correct. And we both were successful. So what are our records now? I am 6-0. and You're 5-1. and So, yeah, we're both pretty – have been pretty good on that. We will continue to do that the rest of the season, as we've mentioned. Yeah, no, and then let's get to that final score. It was 55-3. to Uh Right away in this game, we actually we got the coin toss and we deferred, as Nick Hill says he will always do. Uh, we got that, and they got the ball first. A little bit of a drive. We didn't know because obviously they had Jake Chisholm, and there were high uh, whatevers for him going into this game and their play in general. But they – it was let's talk about it because they, they, all, they ran six plays for one yard that lasted four minutes. And we talked about throughout the game that – they did not have a lot of yards at any point in the game. I guess we'll get to that when it gets to that point. But it took five minute, four minutes off the board to only get one yard on six plays. That's pretty noteworthy. Their inability and, I guess, obviously our ability on defense coming out of the gate. And we had, as soon as we got the ball, we kicked the field goal. It was a nine-play, 54-yard, three-minute uh, three possession. They got the ball and punted again. And here's Noah, here's where we were kind of whatever at first because we did get the field goal. We settled at that point, uh, but we had a uh, our next possession, four plays, seven yards, only a minute long, and we tried to go for it on fourth and one. We had a couple plays. Landon caught a couple passes. Justin uh, only got, well, no gain on the second one, two for a second, and then he ran again. Fourth and one, we tried it with him, and we did not get it, Noah. So at this point, we were like, okay, when's our offense going to get going, right? Because we got to – Turnover on downs, obviously the way we were last game offensively, we wanted to come out steaming, and even after the field goal, we thought we were going to get going, and this stymied that a little bit. Yeah, we thought we thought our offense would get going real quick-like, and uh, I still don't get fourth, a fourth down play, and Javon Williams still not in the game. That's tw- two games in a row this has happened. I still don't understand that. But, I mean, 
it's like yesterday in the Tennessee Titans game. It, we went, they went for it on a fourth and two play, and Derrick Henry was out of the game. It's, I mean, even if you're if you're passing the ball, just having him in there makes the team think, hey, they could be running on fourth and short here. Exactly, and I think that's definitely why I don't think they do it because obviously they've been doing it for so many years since he's been the guy that. I think, obviously, when he's out there, they know that's what's coming, but it's almost like, can they really stop you, though? Obviously, they probably can't, so you wanted to go do that. So we did turn it over, and they got it around whatever our yard line at. Uh, we were at their 46, and it happened. So they got the ball around midfield, but they punted in a couple plays. They barely got any yardage again, as usual. And then, oh, we got down. This was just a little two-player. Uh, Ty Stano got involved. He was my pre-dog of the game. I thought he was going to bounce back after uh, facing you know, the likes of SEMO. This is kind of like SEMO Dayton, so I figured he'd be big after kind of struggling like the offense against Kansas State. He had an 18-yard grab for a first, and then no other big play. The huge play, Javon finding these holes, breaking a couple tackles, and and had reservations for six for 73 yards. Yeah, uh, one of his three carries of the day did not get a lot of work, but uh, he made sure to take advantage of the work he did get. Without a doubt. And we know what, how he is in speed. You mentioned Derrick Henry and the Titans that they're so big, but obviously once they get in space, you can't catch them. And that's kind of how it was with Javon. Uh, it's great to see the place was the place was screaming and yelling at that point. That's what we want to see from the crowd, pumped about something like that. So they definitely were. They punted again. I don't even know how many total yards they had at this point. It probably like maybe fifteen out of their first four possessions, three possessions, four possessions. So they punted, and then we scored again. No, eleven plays, a long yardage drive with plays, only three and a half minutes. And here, Noah, here's where we kicked off because we uh, had a feeling he's going to be playing. Donovan Spencer made his way into this game. Had started off the drive with two yards, little. A little, and then a semi-complete passes, but he found Tice again. So Tice had 30 yards at this point. Tried to get Jerron involved in complete by Donovan for six yards again. Uh, this was an all-Donovan drive. It really was. He he had at least 15 to 20 yards on this drive itself. End of the first happened. They kept going. They got Isaiah Hartship involved. Landon caught a 12-yard pass. And then here, here Noah, uh, Nick found Landon for six yards for a touchdown. Yeah, it's great to see that – or great to see that Donovan got going. Uh, Nick mentioned it last Monday in his press conference that we had to get him going. And with with Romir Elliott out with a concussion, who hopefully will be back this week, Donovan stepped up and got it going, took that place of Romir, and we did not miss a beat. And he was definitely explosive. As we had an idea he was going to be, uh, Nick uh, reiterated that in the presser, after the game, but we after we scored that, it was 17 nothing. They punted again. They got their longest yardage drive of the day, a two-minute, 20-yarder. And then we scored here again to uh, keep going down their throats. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, we had some offensive holding on one that brought us back even a little bit. Justin Strong struggled to get going a little bit. He found Avante for 36 yards on this drive. Landon kept getting going. We mentioned before how uh, even at the start of the game, Noah, we forgot to mention, when we were struggling to get going, that Landon uh, caught a couple big passes to keep us going. He made a couple of short yardage uh, plays and made them into bigger plays that got our offensive line, right? Yeah, he really he, – he sparked the offense a little bit. He got us going, got the, got the rhythm of the offense going, and he made – short plays into big plays and that's what that's what any of our receivers or anybody on our offense can do and even here they went to him he had a full start of himself that brought us back a little bit 
But he had two back-to-back plays that got him 20 yards before Vontae's 36, as we said. But then Justin found his way into the end zone for 12 yards. So here we are. Yes, it was a 24 to nothing game at this point. They punted it again. This one actually was their 23 yards was their most so far then. So unbelievable that what our defense was putting up against them, knowing that they had a playmaker in the backfield. He played most of this game. But we scored again, though it didn't take long. Again, Javon got loose for a 49-yard gain. And then Jerron, Noah, Jerron was big in this game. He caught a 29-yarder for a touchdown. Yeah, Jerron was big down the stretch last year, as everybody's seen. Uh, Nick said in his press conference, he was asked about him. Big physical receiver. And uh, I love that Nick mentioned in his press conference. I'm sure we'll get into it later. But Javon takes advantage of the the times he does get to play out there. We know we have – Nick said he had five receivers that they're comfortable playing, and that's true. But Jerron made sure of, in this game to take the all the all the playing time he took advantage of, and he made things happen. Yes, and we talked about before how we we kind of want Jerron to play more. You mentioned the big playability that he does have, uh, and obviously some some play calls and in some instances don't require him to be on the field. So they found him in this game. They knew this was a game that they you know could get a lot of guys going, and he was one of them. We'll get to him again down the road. And they had a drive Noah that we thought because at this point we reiterated. It, before talked about before how they had a however many 400 something straight games of not being shut out so we were thinking that and that was the biggest in the country uh that we thought that that was going to be in jeopardy the way their drives were that they had probably 50 total yards at this point right before halftime but they got down field noah uh pretty well obviously for their by far the best drive of the game uh jack cook got sacked for 12 yards they took a timeout and then he got a third and 18, he got 10 yards, but then we called a timeout, and they set up for a field goal at our 20, and it got blocked. It was a 37-yard attempt. Yeah, Anthony Knighton got the got the pressure of the middle and got his long arms on the ball. So that was a big play of the game. We thought, hey, at this point, maybe we can shut this team out, but like our defense has been talking about, and they've yet to prove it, but this is a great performance by them today. This was a game to do it, the way it was heading. And then, no, we got the ball back there. It didn't take long for us to go down and score. We had it at our own 25. Got Isaiah going a little bit to midfield. There was a penalty on them. I, there were some instances that we uh, tried to uh, get some free play opportunities. There was a pass broke up, but they had an offsides. That kept it going. Uh, and then Landon here continuing his the best day of among the receivers, a 37-yard game for a first. We took a timeout, and then here Noah Jerron again, finding his way. Not sure how this one played out. One of them was in the back of the end zone, but he found his way. Well, one of them was a run. It wasn't the first one a run. The first one was a first run. The first one was a run. So he has the ability to do both of those, but this one he caught from Nick for a Teddy right before half. Yeah, usually uh, he, he had that run early in the game, and usually – um, Nick said about in his press conference, and uh, usually he had uh, usually he's one out blocking for Avante or landing on those fly sweeps, and this time it was Jerron and Avante was out in front of him blocking, and uh, Jerron scored, and Avante was the first one to run down. Just this team is selfless; they uh, they care about each other so much, and it just shows. And now Nick finds him in the back of the end zone on a, on a post route, and it was just great to see. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because even Nick talks about in the presser that, yeah, these guys don't care. And you would think, you know, because these are star players. Avante's not All-American for, you know, for no reason. Or isn't American, not for no reason. And, you know, they could care. Because obviously these guys want to get to the next level. They want to put up as much stats as they can for these NFL teams showing out. 
you would think that's just overall. We know that we've seen it before. These guys celebrate each other's success. So we will talk about that down the road as well. So Gerard connecting there with nine seconds up before the half. So here we are at half. We're up 38 nothing. We said, okay, here's the nail in the coffin. Clearly, we said we we ended up tweeting that you know obviously we expected to win big and you know nailing it down. Def obviously earlier in this, but definitely at half. Knowing especially you also get the ball out of half. It's like let's just keep pouring it on. And right out of halftime, Noah, four plays, 75 yards, barely a minute and a half drive. They found it. Justin Strong, again, couldn't really get going. He did have the touchdown, but he had a lot of no-gain runs. Landon for 16, the first play out of halftime, though, and then he found him again for seven. And here, Noah Vonte found his way for 52 yards on this one. So Vonte finally got involved, and for this one, more than half of the field. Yeah, he, uh, I believe it was like only like a six or seven yard round and he got loose and that's the big playability with Avante or any of our receivers, but great to see he finally gets involved and got our team going. Unlike the first two games of the year, we've had that kind of slow start to the second half. Yes. And especially with, uh, obviously what the offense went with, with Kansas state, but definitely that Avante couldn't get going in that game. He, he had opportunities, but they couldn't find him in this game you know, to, to break off and be as great as we know he can be. So that was a huge gain. And they got the ball again. Jake Chisholm uh, was really obviously their only really source of offense, without a doubt. Uh, this was mainly his drive, but they ended up punting it again. And then here's a drive where we saw a lot of Donovan Spencer once again. He had a 19 yards, 19 yarder to open up this next drive, and then it had 14, and then it was all him. He had a 10-yard drive, and here's where we took our starters out, Noah, especially Nick Baker, Stone Norton found his way into the game. He had an incomplete pass to Jerome, but then we got in uh, 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 range for Nico for a 40-yard field goal. This made it 48 to nothing. It's good to see Nico, obviously. He kicked a lot of PATs at this point, but to uh, see him connect on a 40-yarder, because we talked about the miss when he had at Kansas State was 47. I'm sure that was good for Nico, because he nailed it. Almost hit it out of the stadium. Yeah, uh, he over-reliable. I'll call him when we need to call on him. He'll... Probably most of the time hit it, put it through, and yeah, it's it was the second field goal of the game, and the first one was shorter. So that's good, good to see his range there tested. And then here's where we were disappointed because at this point we were thinking, okay, yeah, the streak is on the line still. They had a 15 play, 65 yard, seven and a half minute drive here, where they were actually completing passes. Jake Chisholm was involved again, and they're. We'll go down here to the big play that we thought we were going to get him here. It was our 26 because we realized we blocked a field goal before. Let's, you know, get to the point because even the sideline was saying block that, block that kick. So we were fourth and 12 here, and Jack Cook, he was ranging around and found his man, busted coverage or something, and he had a 19-yard gain pass to one of their receivers for a first. So we were like, okay, here they are finally in range, but it was around the same range that we blocked it with. And it's funny, you know, they, they kept getting the first and goal. They got to our – they got to – ended up being at our 10-yard line. A false start on them backed them up a little bit more. So they were at our 10, third and goal. And then finally, fourth and goal, they did it. No, and they brought out our Jordan and Anthony, the guys who blocked the first one. They brought – you know, they didn't have these guys at all in the second half, but they brought that line out again to try to block this next field goal. Yeah, they, they did their best, and uh, their kicker, credit to him, he put it through. 28 yards, we were like, oh, no, there it is. Because we obviously – we talked about it multiple times before that we wanted 
we wanted to shut them out as best we can. So we weren't able to do it disappointing, but obviously it's that point of the game. You just want the game to end because obviously at this point it just goes by really slow. It goes by slow, no, but this is where we get to see a lot of players, and Nick will talk about this in his post game a little bit, on players, you know, third, fourth stringers getting in the game and showing what they can do. We mentioned Stone Norton was in the game, and he was finding Jerron once again. Donovan was still in the game. And here, here it is because we wanted to mention it because obviously he's – he got the scholarship before the season, and he find, and he got in. And Noah Hunter Milligan got his first career catch. It was a four yard. He had a he had a lot of opportunities, a lot of pass breakups near him. But he finally caught this four yard pass to end the third quarter. That's pretty good, good to see. Yeah, that's great. He went on to have three receptions and ended up with actually scoring one down the stretch. So it's great to see the work he's put in has paid off. He got in down the stretch, and it's great to see since he's a local kid also. Yes, and you mentioned that score. He actually had the last score of the game. We'll get to that in one second. Uh, Jack Calhoun ended up finally making his way into the game. We didn't really want to, but at this point, no. Hunter Simmons came in the game. True freshman out of Marion. He didn't pass for anything, but they they gave it – or he ran a little bit. He didn't really get anywhere. And then they had Zach Gibson, who we also know, obviously, from potentially walking on the basketball team that he had a run for five yards as well. So all these guys getting in, but it's surprising seeing Hunter Simmons that – Zach Zabrowski, obviously how important he is for play calling, that he wasn't going to make it in. But Hunter Simmons found his way in. Interesting. And then Jack, yeah, Jack came in, had a punt for 52 yards. That's so Jack. Uh, and they, then they punted again on a short drive. And you mentioned Hunter's touchdown here. Stone was finally getting to make a few passes. And here, Noah Pop Jones, Robert Jones the third, got in the game. We understand, obviously, he's been in the program for a couple years. And obviously with Romero not playing and Donovan coming back and us blowing this team out, that he obviously he's been ready and was ready and came in and actually played really, really well. Yeah, he's a he's got the potential to be our lead back here in the future once our guys in front of him move on. And uh, it was great to see that he got in the game and several others are, I think, Tony Williams from Sparta, the local kid, also got in the game down the road. So it's great to see that those guys – Everybody got to play besides one, and we'll get to it here in a little bit. Yeah, Robert Jones had a 31-yard gain at one point. He did look good in between the tackles. He was actually pretty looked pretty good, actually. So he's been waiting his turn. He's going to make the most of it, of course. So, uh, And then they punted on their last possession, and then we ended the game on a drive that consisted, yeah, you mentioned Tony Williams. Zach Zabrowski actually did come into the game finally and made a pass to Hunter Milligan. Um so, and the Tony Williams, yeah, we mentioned came in, and then we ended the game on that, and a 52-point victory, Noah. So, we talked about how before we guessed the spread, we had a feeling, you know, it was a game where Nick Hill preached before that, obviously, you take every game serious, and, uh, you know, they're really well coached, and he, he preached it like, you know, expected a good game, even though, obviously, to us, we're like, you know, if we know we're the team we were and coming off, you know, a loss against Kansas State, but definitely a promising game that we felt like we should have won, that this was a game we had to do. We had to come out firing and kind of take out our anger on it, knowing the, the how the Kansas State game went. Noah. So, 52-point uh, victory. Uh, thoughts of it, your reactions before we get into the box score on, yeah, our expectations before. Yeah. yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, it just showed that what kind of talent we have here and what kind of team we have that's a good, well-coached football team. They played hard all snaps of the game. They got 
they got an all-freshman offensive line, so that's just a credit to them. I mean, they're going to go compete in the Pioneer League. Don't let the score fool you. I know you don't like to give credit, but I will. So that's a good football coach. But this just shows how good we are. That's that's the team we the team we saw over there Saturday night is the team we should be, and we're only going to get better from here on out. Not giving credit, but just knowing when you have to get victories. But uh, moving on, into the box for you. Nick Baker was really, really efficient. He had 11 yards per average throw, 235 total, three touchdowns thrown. We mentioned Stone getting in, finally getting some completions as a Saluki, and then Zach getting his only completion of the game. Rushing Noah a lot here, a lot pretty deep on how many people got involved. Javon, though, stuck out the most with his big, obviously we mentioned his 73-yard gain. Only on three carries he had. He kept being out there for punts whenever they would, you know, punt the 10 times that they did. He actually was back there almost every single time, even when obviously he was out when they were beating them offensively. Three for 123, average 41. He had a couple big ones as well. That other big one that set up a touchdown drive and that obviously the 73-yard touchdown, so... Not surprised if we mentioned him in space. You know, once he sees open space, he is gone. Yeah, uh, that's the ability he has, the God-given God talent he has, and that he's putting on a show when he gets that ball. Yes, Justin Strong, we mentioned, had a lot of no gains, but he did the most with everything else he had. He had that 40-yard run. He averaged eight yards a carry on 10 for 75 and that one touchdown. Donovan Spencer, like we say, great to see him back. Can't wait to see him moving forward. Nine for 59 for almost seven per 19 was his longest. Pop Jones, yeah, the 31 of long, 13 per on four rushes for 50. Hartshub got involved a lot. We did see that in the, in the run game. Four for 38 almost per. Jerron did have that one run for a touchdown uh, for 29 yards. Tony Williams getting in, as we mentioned, 27. Hunter Milligan had one, and then to fill that, Landon had his usual run that we think they should definitely try with Devontae because Devontae did not see one again in this game. And then the quarterbacks had a lot. Zach Gibson had a negative one. So overall, 406 yards rushing, Noah. That's on 45 attempts, nine nine yards per carry on average. That's pretty uh, – that's what we – because we mentioned how we are a running team. And it's good to see this getting going again, especially for over 400 yards. Yeah, shout out, shout out to our 10 offensive linemen that got in the game. They were – Great all night. They, I know they had a couple slip-ups, but other than that, they were dominant all night long. Without a doubt. Um, and then getting to receiving, Avante, he had that 52-yard touchdown. He averaged 25 per on four for 98. Landon also had 98 yards with seven catches. He was everywhere making out however many targets he had, but he had just as many as catches, I'm sure. And that one touchdown, Tice, we mentioned, he was active early. He didn't see much down the stretch at all. Uh, two for 30. Uh, Milligan getting his couple catches of his career and that touchdown. Jerron uh, catching that eight-yarder uh, for a touchdown. Isaiah. Isaiah got way more in the game of rushing than receiving. He couldn't really get going. And then Javon uh, caught a four-yarder for a loss. So 252 for Nick and then for our receivers as well. Uh, there was a play where Javon did fumble, but it looked like he did, and they threw a flag for interference, but obviously he ended up recovering it. It's one of those where you, it was whatever score of the game. Don't, don't remember when it was, but he jumped on it. It's almost one of those where you jump on it that one second where all the defenders are coming and jumping on it. They feel like someone like that could get hurt, so thankfully he didn't. 
And then, yeah, Nico was 100% on his kick, 7 of 7 on extra points for 13 total himself injected to give that one punny. So, again, not surprising. Literally everybody got involved. It's great to see for our present on how players perform and for the development of others, as we know Nick will talk about after the fact. So, Noah, quick, uh, whatever, what you think about the game with the box score and then uh, about us, because we'll get into Dayton and what they look like. Like I said, a lot of rushing for them. So go ahead and give what uh, what Dayton had going on in this game. Yeah, and Jack Cook did. He uh, he was only he only passed the ball for 24 times. He was 14 of 24 for 131. No touchdowns. Along of 22 is sacked twice. Then Cole Dow came in for him, was one of four for nine yards, and was sacked once. Uh, yeah, Jake Chisholm had 19 carries for 67 yards. So an average of three and a half per. He had a he had a he had a tough run in all night long. He had to work for everything he got. So uh, then a couple couple Michael Neal had eight for twenty eight. So that's all he had. And there's not a lot in Cole Down. Their backup quarterback did a lot more running than Jack Cook did. He came in and had five for sixteen. So not a lot on their side of the ball receiving wise. They only passed. They only had 15 receptions. Uh, Cole Holder, Cole, Andrew Holder, had three for 37 to lead them in that category. Yeah, we mentioned a lot of them had some big plays for their long of receiving the 19 yarder for that first to set up their field goal. But yeah, that 122 yard catch by one of these guys. This all happened near the end of the game. But yeah, so a lot of them got a lot of big yardage along the way and at the end. But uh, we mentioned their punter. Because uh, we were curious at how many punts actually had, and we had the number there if we would have counted. But he punted nine times for 319 yards, 36 on average. Yeah, it wasn't. We had pretty good field position after each one of those, as, as long as with a 48 yarder. So, like we said, yeah, they will compete in their conference. It was just one of those things where, you know, obviously our home opener, we expected a lot of people, and we expect to bounce back, as we've talked about so many times, that this, you know, Dayton honestly should have seen this coming. So. Uh, a good warm-up game. It's like Kansas State said with us before we get before they get into uh, their next game, which we'll get to down the road, and where Kansas State currently stands now. Uh, but it's like a it's like a warm-up game, even though we kill them and we play with Kansas State. It's one of those games where you kind of get ready, you avoid injuries, and you try to do what you need to do and win handedly. Then now you go into the conference play confident with a win and two and one and Nick preached how obviously he wanted to be two and one before conference play, the ever important. So a good game, a great game to be at from start to finish, especially for offensively for our side and defensively only allowing them what hundred yards through the first two and a half quarters. So great to see, like I said, everybody got involved. So we'll be keeping that. We'll get to, let's get now. No, actually to our dogs of the game. We were going to, I don't know when we were going to have it, but might as well get into it now with because we had our pre and some uh, definitely who let's talk about it. Our offensive pre, I had Ty Staniel. Who was yours? Nick Baker. Nick Baker. So we were definitely expecting Nick to have a big bounce back game. Didn't really need to. The rushing game did all the work with over 400 yards, as we said. So, but Nick was definitely uh, consistent, and I did Ty. So he was off to a great start with his catches, and then defensively, you said David Miller because obviously we know James Caesar. Uh, did not play in this game as we we didn't get a final word until right before the game, the inactives. And we were, like I said, we wanted Nick to address that at one point in the game. We had Tony wasn't going to play, though. He didn't, but he was active with his jersey on. 
David Miller, Noah, was very – they went at him, and he made the most of it. So let's get into uh, the defensive stats. David Miller was active. He was great. Yeah, he was great. Led the team in tackles with eight. He was everywhere. Had a lot. He was a he was laying the wood on some kids. He was all over the place. And uh, looking at it, Tim Johns in the second half had five tackles. It was great to see Tim trenching from Purdue get in there. Um, as we know, Anthony Knighton had a half sack. Half, we think we know we know he had a half sack. We saw it. So. According to Mike Reese, he is a half sack away from tying James Phillips, but according to Todd Hefferman, he is now tied with him. So we're not sure on that. Because exactly. he said he had 22 to start the year. We know we also got a half one at SEMO. Remember, either they're not counting that or just one of these guys are wrong, but definitely got counted for a half sack now, and I'm pretty sure he did for the SEMO game. So there is some miscommunication on what's what. So as, as long as – because hopefully he gets the next game to where we can confirm that. But we made a tweet about it thinking that he did tie it. So uh, we're not sure who's right, but uh, we know Anthony was active last night. Yeah, if he started the year with 22 and he only has a sack for this year, he is half sack away. Yeah, so Anthony was active in that game. Tackle for losses as well. Mikel Calhoun, we have a quote from him later on. He was active as well for total – Hundenberg was in at one point in this game with the with the third stringers, some of the second stringers. He had four of his own. Dorian Davis made his way into the game. We know he's tweeted before how happy he is to be here, that he found his way uh, onto the field at the end, and he was making every play. He had only had four total, I guess, obviously from stats perspective it was, but it seemed like every time they ran the ball to end the game that he was in every single thing hitting them. So it feels like he had more than that, but he was active. Good to see Colby Coleman. Uh, had three assisted tackles, those three total. He was active. We saw some of his family members in the crowd. Uh, Quay, seemed like he didn't have to do much, obviously. They didn't throw the ball a whole lot. But, obviously, he's all, always invested in the running game. He had three total. Bryce had three as well. My defensive pre-dog of the game was the whole linebacking corpse because if there was a lot of hype on Jack Chisholm and being active in the running game, that was important, you know, past the defensive line itself. But it seemed like the defensive line should have been you know, there, and I guess to an extent they were because with that, as you mentioned, the freshman offensive line, it seemed like it should have been those front guys. I chose the linebacking core, and uh, Bryce led, or Colby led the way, but Bryce was right there with them. Same amount of stats, three total. Keenan was in the backfield as well. He helped with that half sack with Anthony Knighton. He only he had three total tackles. But, no, we, look, we, we obviously talked about Keenan in the past on how uh, you know, the expectations for him being a veteran and, you know, coming off good seasons before to being the guy, you know, we've added a couple others, but it's good to see Keenan active with this second group that we know can do a lot of damage as well. Yeah, that he knows his role and he's found a spot on that second line. There's a guy that ended up with maybe, let me find him here, one tackle, Raekwon Lindsay, who was really big for us last year at some times of the year and, He's hasn't found the field yet yeah, very much. We, we, he had that final sack against Weaver State, and we said, okay, yeah. Obviously, he's doing this, and we know he's been consistently on the field, that it is surprising. We don't know if he's dealing with something. We, I feel like that would have been reported at this point now to an extent or talked about with Nick, even though obviously it's not the case because he doesn't cover most injuries. I think he's just honestly lost his – like having Richie Haggerty come in here and be – and be good. He kind of almost seems like he's just lost his spot to an extent, which is unfortunate. 
But uh, as we mentioned, Clayton Bush had some type of losses, and so we saw some of his family members as well. A lot of family members, obviously, for the opener. Those safeties didn't have to get too involved. Even Jakari had three. A lot of these guys had three. Uh, even uh, Zach Barola, who always tries to be as active as he can. Devin Love got in here with three of his own and tackle for loss. Dewey Green, no, let's talk about him for just a second. We mentioned him. He got in the game, had two total tackles. He is humongous. It looked like he limped off the field at one point, but he made his way back there. He is huge. He will be key down the road when a lot of our, especially our two main defensive ends, are gone. Yeah, he's a transfer from the Citadel, so that's uh, he's a huge role piece, depth piece we have if needed. Yes, he was huge, so I can't wait to see what he can do. Later on and into the future, Jordan, we mentioned he didn't have these guys had to, had, didn't have to be too active. They tried to uh, rush the passer a lot, and you know they either got the ball out too fast for incompletions or obviously ran the ball when they were rushing on the outside. So Jordan didn't get too involved, not as involved as Anthony. Branson Combs, we know he is also active as well. We talk about uh, Lindsey with the Weber State game that Combs had the biggest catch of the year. Converted linebacker, as we know, and he's been active so far this season. He had two camp boundary came in. Dante Cleveland, all these guys. Jeffrey Wells, Chance Bush, Noah. He was in, and he actually did a pretty good job, even against, obviously, they used to have their starters in for the most part. Their backup quarterback came in at the end, but because uh, Chisholm was still out there. But uh, Chance Bush looked good, didn't he? Yeah, he looked good on that uh, that, that corner spot. Uh, looked great. Uh, didn't see... Much other players on that backside of the ball. I know DeMonte Pryor, a freshman, got in there, as well as uh, Jay Welch, I believe, maybe. Uh, Dre Newman did not get any time. I know he's a big special teams guy for us. And uh, Easton Wolf did not get any time either on that defensive side of the ball. I think Dre got in there at, at corner for a couple plays, but Easton did not see any time at safety. No, and even P.J. Jules, who we had a feeling they weren't going to go his way. We mentioned that with no Caesar. They were going to go at David Miller, and obviously they did. He was very active and did his job. P.J. had one tackle, and it was an assisted tackle, so he wasn't active. Those guys in the secondary really didn't need, didn't need to be, so shout out to David for that. Uh, Gianni, no, let's get to Gianni because he wasn't active either, but he had a targeting call we were going to get to with Nick and the status of him, but we'll just say it now that Gianni had a targeting call on him, hit the uh, chest of the quarterback, and they reviewed it, and they threw him out right before halftime. But now we know Noah that because of that, Nick talked about that he will not miss the first half of the next game. Yeah, if it was in the second half, he'd have to sit out the first half of the Illinois State game. But since it was in the first half, we are good to go. That's good to see. I know Todd Hefferman asked that question this morning. Yeah, we're, we're glad he did because we always want to know the status of everybody, injury or anything like this. So, yeah, I think it was like seconds or it was like a minute or so left in the second half or seconds so, or in the first half. So that's great. Uh, we mentioned Haggerty. He wasn't too involved. Kevin Glacian. Uh, a lot of tackles for loss and tackles from him. A lot of these main guys weren't very active because they didn't see the field at all near the end. Foxworth did as well. Delmonte Pryor and, and Jaden Bates, who's a true freshman, is dressing and found it finds his way into games. He struggled a little bit, but you know, obviously, when you're thrown out there, you have to be ready at all times, and he was to an extent. But definitely some growing pains for him down the road. We're excited for his potential. And we mentioned the sacks. Glacian had one of his own full. Definitely, he bursted through there and got to him earlier in the game. And then we mentioned Knight and Agnew and Boundary with a half sack and Dante Cleveland as well at the end of the game. So, 
Pass breakups, Clayton and Shakari had one. So there's the defense, as we said, held them to however many hundred yards, but definitely throughout the game, they held them to almost nothing. Uh, so, Noah, some of the post stuff, but uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts overall? Because, like we said, we knew this was going to happen. So seeing it prevail for 52 points even was pretty big. Yeah, uh, our this is what our team is capable of. If we put, if we uh, do the right things and do the little things right, this is what our team is capable of. I don't care who's on the other side of the ball. So this is just shout out to our guys for doing the little thing right. I know, I know, there's probably some technique things and stuff they can correct. I know as a as a coach would say, but yeah, great performance by our guys. Home opener. Or the 7,300 people saw what else, so hopefully another couple thousand show up for a family weekend this weekend. That's right. And getting into the post-game interviews uh, with Mike after the game, it wasn't much of one with Nick with Mike because he honestly he talked about, obviously, he's proud of the guy's effort and their performance. And they mentioned how, because Mike joked that, you know, it's really nothing you can complain about at all, and Nick agreed. So there really wasn't much to say, just the obvious of, Stuff you can say when you beat a team as bad as they did, and you still had respect for Dayton. So, Landon was also on there talking about uh, what did Mike joke with about that he did drop a, he dropped one pass that he said was that was that was that you did someone else have your jersey out there and they joked around about that. But uh, they mentioned Landon. He mentioned him. We were going to get to about where he stands in the record books and how uh, blessed Landon is and how uh, great you know and how much he's loved being here and leaving his legacy, so that was good to talk about. So, And a lot of players tweeting after the game, thanking uh, the crowd and everything. A lot of these players, definitely our main players, tweeting about how uh, much looking forward to down the road. Caesar got involved. Nick Hill even gave a shout-out. Good team win. Student section was awesome. See you next week. And it was pretty good. We know that SIU Dog Pound was also active coordinating all of this, uh, which is great to see because – it needed to happen, and it needs to happen throughout the rest of the year. Landon gave some love. So, yeah, overall, great. And as we mentioned, the recruits that were there, they definitely appreciated that and loved the atmosphere, I'm sure, along with what happened on the field. So all that happened then, knowing we went home, uh, knowing we had to work on Sunday, we went home and went to sleep good, knowing that we were 2-1 headed into conference play we will get to. So, uh, now Noah, he came out, Nick Hill had his Monday presser today, as we expected him to, and it was a kind of a lengthy one, a couple questions involved, some notes here of some of the questions he was asked, uh, you know, he, he was excited looking back on the Dayton game, he was proud of the home crowd, as we just said, thought it was a great student section, and they did a great job of having to build off it, uh, clearly proud of the team's effort, and, and this, past week, this past week of practice before the game, he said how... Uh, level-headed and you know, zoned in and tuned in that they were, which was good. He said, quote, now we've turned the page and understand that the season is really just getting started in terms of the Missouri Valley one game at a time. Understand, he understood the gauntlet and how physical that it brings, that the, the, the Valley brings, and it starts with Illinois State because he said, if you look past any team or moment, somebody will whoop your butt. He's excited being at home again with, as you mentioned, family weekend coming up and excited for the challenge. His first question, he was asked what he learned from his team, uh, you know, this past Saturday from the previous two games, if there was anything different. And it's funny, we mentioned before how he, shot, he shoots down a lot of what these people ask him in terms of, like, you know, disagreeing that, disagreeing to an extent 
he said, I don't know if we learned something we didn't know our time together in training camp and individually. He said, not too far off what we thought we would be, and, and we're still learning that. He said a good – he preached a non-con schedule, said it was a good one with how good the games were. Uh, it's one game at a time. He said we have to continue to grow together, and our approach and demeanor has been outstanding. Uh, and he was asked then, is there any added motivation after not playing Illinois State in the spring? Seems like kind of a head-scratcher just in general because obviously you don't think that way. He said that he didn't think so. He said, quote, there's nothing we could do about that. He preached to the team about that. It's now 2021. He reiterates that to the team all the time, that it's not spring season anymore, that once the ball kicks off, that's not even a thought. He said we will have zero effect on the game, that if, if their minds do go that way, thinking about that stuff, that they won't play as good, obviously. He said they need to just seem to dive into the film and see what uh, – See what it gives. See what gives them the best chance to win. He talked about the past two meetings, now in eighteen and nineteen. We recall because in twenty eighteen we went there, made the long trip, uh, and we paid. We overpaid for tickets. We were surprised on that, but we did. We saw a. Uh, they killed us. I'll just say that. Yeah, Nick Hill said in his press conference, but it's probably one of the worst performances him and his coaching staff and team had since he's been here in the last couple of years. As we know, they put some NFL players. In the or put some players in the NFL, and as we know, last year or two years ago, at here James Robinson ran all over us, so they will be ready for this weekend. Yeah, he mentioned uh, their ability to run the ball, and yeah, James Robinson in the NFL had a thousand yard season as a rookie, which is incredible, especially on the bad team he was on. So, yeah, they'll definitely be running the ball. He'll preach that here in a second. He said they're a good football team, their defense plays hard. And presents challenges. He said, yeah, they run the football well. We've got to play fundamentally sound if you want to beat this team. Then he was asked if it what it meant to have all the third and fourth stringers playing in the game. A couple people asked about this. One in particular we'll get to here in a second. But he said, anytime you're able to play a lot of games, it's important because they put a lot of games to, like this to be able to get players into the game. It's, a, it's important because they put a lot of time and effort and energy into this. And, and seeing them get rewarded with playing time is great to see, but also just for the development of our team that when you can look back and, and see what that means, that you're winning a lot of games big. And he said, and when they're when called upon later in the season, like he did preach that, he said, well, we want to get as many guys as we can into these types of games. So if we need them, obviously, in the most important games, that they will be ready. So he did preach that. He said they were, they were uh, glad to be able to do all of that. And he asked about... Some stuff by Illinois State about their quarterback and some inaccuracy. We'll get to a little bit in the sneak peek of Illinois State. And he preached how he was an athlete. So we'll keep it at that and we'll save that a little bit. He asked because that's how uh, he asked, reiterated a question prior by getting these guys in. He was asked about Hunter Milligan, how cool that was. And uh, seeing he just preached out, you know, he was happy, but his teammates were just as happy for him. So that's great. He was asked about Ty Stano's impact, Noah. And as we know, we've talked before. How it's kind of a question that it seems like we already know, honestly, at this point, seeing him, how good he was at SEMO and, you know, his ability along with the offense not get going last game, you know, reasonably so. And then today having the great start that he did. But overall, he brings a great – he said that he talked about how important he is to be able to – because they want to run more plays for him down the stretch. But being able to have that other – Big body out there. He said he's a really good athlete. He said he's one of the fastest players on the team. So uh, getting Tice out there to be that extra receiver, no, was huge. And you know his, you know he didn't, he wasn't too active in terms of production at Memphis, but he obviously has the experience, and he's proud to be here. 
Yeah, he, he loves his team, and uh, when his teammates are taking touchdowns for 50-plus yards, he's not going to get a lot of action. But he does the dirty work, but we know we can get him the ball in open space, and he can make plays himself. Yes, and running the ball like we want to do, he'll be important in that facet. And then he was asked about Jerron's game and how uh, you know, how the players love him. He mentioned how strong he was, and he mentioned with the uh, physicality and strength uh, from the receivers and the weight room and everything that they have. And we talked about how Isaiah Hartrup looked at the SEMO game. We thought he was a string bean last year, and then hit the recruitment of him that he just bulked up, and he said he's one of the strongest him and Landon for sure. But yeah, Jerron's ability to be the big play guy and uh, be, the vet- be the veteran that they know they can rely on is key. Uh, and then he talked about, and we'll get to the qu- some other quotes about Illinois State's defense, what to expect. And here, Noah, the questions like we want to know, the status of some guys, as you mentioned earlier, about Romero's status, he did say, yeah, he was on the sidelines. He is clear to be on the sidelines. He mentioned how, obviously, with terms of, like, the lights and all that stuff with his concussion, that he was able to stand through that and withstand that. Uh, that it was a light day for him on Sunday with just meetings and film, and then he had they gave him the day off today, and then he said, we'll go from there. And you said, yeah, we hope that he plays on Saturday. Yeah, be, he's a big part of the offense because we know he can – he can be that guy if we hand him the ball off. He can take it for 70 if we need him to be. Or he can be that guy he gets two yards of carry and we just move the chains constantly. That's the type of player he is. So, yeah, it's great. It's, it sucks to see him. It's unfortunate he got a concussion, I assume. Probably last week in practice. We do not know that but because uh, we did not see him get hurt in the Kansas State right. game. So, I assume he'll be back this week and ready to go. Yeah, because he did find his way into that game and he didn't rush for a whole lot, but the fact that he was in there and then we mentioned with Donovan finally getting in here. So hopefully Romero can play. They shouldn't rush him at all. Cause obviously we know we can withstand him being out with the other guys we got obviously with Donovan being back and then pop Jones's ability, Tony Williams ability to be called upon whenever they're really needed. Big time games. He obviously, cause he said, getting these guys in now. So that if we need them on the stretch that they'll be ready. So, and then he was asked about Gianni, as we said, that, because it was in the end of the first half, he's able to play on Saturday, thankfully. So, and then he wasn't asked about Caesar's injury, but obviously we knew that he was inactive before the game. Uh, we're not sure when we could see him next. Our All-American, we've talked about his struggles the first couple games. Uh, but yeah, the fact that his arm was in a sling and it was wrapped up at the end of the Kansas State game. Uh, we, Like I said, probably won't see him for a while, but it is great that David Miller is here, being how young he is how much eligibility he has left that uh, we have to uh, – we can withstand that as well. We talked about even Leviticus McAfee uh, not playing the three-star, though, even seeing Jalen Bates. I guess Jalen Bates has uh, withstood the ability to make the roster and be on special teams or any anything else key. It'll be great to see him and Leviticus McAfee, as I said, down the road. Uh, to see how you know important those guys could be in our future, with especially with our DBs. Even though PJ has got a couple years left, James is done after this year. So hopefully James in this last year will be able to play a little bit. But knowing that we play play you and I and South Dakota State down the road, that uh, he'll definitely uh, hopefully be ready for those. So there's no other besides Romir's concussion and the status of even Gianni even injury-related, there's really nothing else to update because, like we said, if we were able to talk into those meetings for the for the Monday press conferences that – because they took one fan's question one time that hopefully 
one of the because we we didn't think about doing it, but they didn't take any fans' questions this time. So that's the big question that we would ask every week: is what are the status of everybody that either missed time in the game or didn't play at all? So there's an update on that. Noah, now let's we talked about that game. Let's talk about how everything is now after the fact. There are new rankings coming out. FCS Nation, I believe, came out with one. Let's talk about theirs first. They had one here, the coaches poll. That we are AFCA, that's the American Football Coach Association. So I guess what I would there since there's is on here. They had us at eight, so we didn't really move anywhere. Is there any movement otherwise in the top seven before us? There is not. There is not. So Villanova's in there. We know they've um, UC Davis, Jacksonville State, obviously they're a huge win last week. Um, so FCS Nation Radio, yeah, had their top 25 for week four. They had us moving up to five. So here is a rankings that we can get behind here because obviously, you know, with the beatdown of games we put up outside of the Kansas State game and the fact that I think a lot of these people obviously knew we had the lead and we should have won in that game. Having us up to five is interesting knowing a lot of other people had us at eight. We'll get to another one here in a second. But five, Noah, head of North Dakota State. They moved Sam Houston down. We understand Sam Houston has played SEMO. Who else does Sam Houston play? A warrant moving down to four, you think? Nobody to talk about. I mean, I know James Madison. I'm surprised they're only at three because they went on the road to their number 17, Weber State, and put a beat in by multiple scores. So, surprised they're only at three. I know the actual actual uh, coaches poll or the actual poll has Sam Houston still at one. So that is a this is opinionated, you know, uh, radio from Adam Montana. Yeah, so. Kind of an opinionated uh, rankings. Yeah, they're out of Montana, so that doesn't surprise me. So Montana at one, yeah. I'm not sure if I can get behind them or not, even if they have us a five. You're right. And it's interesting, yeah, because you see even if teams struggle, but if they still manage to win, they should not move out of the first spot. Uh, that obviously makes sense to us. And we know they're obviously still a good team, even though some of these teams, Montana had that huge win a couple weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of these teams have deserved the right to be in this, but St. Houston definitely – uh, deserves to still be at one. Even you mentioned that beatdown that J- uh, James Madison had on Weber State because Weber State was around this part anyway, close to the end before the top 10. That uh, obviously, if they lose to another top team, that if that's the team they lost to, they really shouldn't move in the standing. So it's reasonable. Uh, who other? Who else stands out in some of these? Missouri State. We'll get to around the valley here in a second. Missouri State's on here. Jacksonville State, even though the Florida State lost, but they got upset or shut out in their first game, as we said. So they've had some deficiencies in that sense. Nova in the top, whatever, eighth or seventh, and the other one, 12th on this one. So, yeah, like I said, this is opinionated. But to an extent, yeah, kind of inconsistencies, but seeing us at five is interesting. Uh, and then Noah Sam Herder came out with one, and uh, he gave some respect to us as well, didn't he? Yes, yeah, Sam Herter, he put out, he uh, put out his ballot of what he turns in every week. Had us at six. He had South Dakota State at one, Sam Houston at two, James Madison at three, Montana at four, North Dakota State at five. So he moved us up. Um, we were sta- he left Weaver State at seven, which is pretty interesting to me since they just lost a home game to, I know it's number three team in the country, but they got a whooping put on them pretty much. Yeah, it's a difference between keeping it close and losing a team like that and getting killed. You're right. I agree. So that's uh, surprising. Uh, he had Missouri State at 14, Northern Iowa at 20. So not sure 
then the actual, I believe the actual poll came out later that day. The FCS top 25. Sam Houston at one. South Dakota State at two. James Madison three. Montana four. North Dakota State five. Eastern Washington. We won a big shootout this weekend. And uh, seven. Here's we are. We moved up one on the actual poll from eight to seven. Here we are at seven. Good deal. So, yeah, on the Sam Herter one, you know, seeing Villanova high on these other ones, he's got him at 19, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and even, yeah, you mentioned Northern Iowa at 20, and we know we'll have to go, down, go through them down the road. I'm sure they'll be climbing up these rankings at some point, feeding off some of these other teams in the Valley. So, so now, yeah, no, let's talk, we've talked about some of these teams. Let's talk about what they had this week and what happened for Valley teams. Yeah, around the Valley, we had some, we had a couple of good games. Uh, starting uh, with the shootout I just mentioned, Eastern Washington went on the road to Western Illinois, won 62-56. to 56. So, Western Illinois is an interesting team down the road once we see what they do in Valley play. But they were supposed to be the bottom feeder of the league and get no respect. Everybody was supposed to blow them out. But their first, I know they're 0-3, but they put up a fight in all three games they've played, so that's interesting to see. I'd say some teams are overlooking them, and they're putting the taking the fight to them. Um, North Dakota hosted Drake, part of the Pioneer League, who we played this past weekend. They uh, won thirty-eight um, nothing. Northern Iowa hosted new uh, new FCS team St. Thomas is now part of the. Pioneer League, Pioneer League as well. They beat them 44-3, so the Pioneer League does not look great against Valley Schools because we're a powerhouse. Um, North Dakota State went and beat Townsend, Townsend 35-7. Townsend's usually a playoff school, so they're off to a 1-2 start. Um, Indiana State went on the road and shocked and shocked uh, Eastern Kentucky 23-21. to uh, Illinois State, who we play this weekend, went on the road to Eastern Illinois and beat them 31-24, so the close game in that one. Then South Dakota, who's off to a good start this year, went on the road at Cal Poly and beat them 48-14. to There you go. So, yeah, a couple good games, a couple not. Uh, as we as we knew, I, I was, what we said, that Nick said, that we wanted to be 2-1 and one headed into this conference play. So, yeah, we'll be seeing a lot of those teams down the road. You said Indiana State, and it just reminds me of the trip we made again last, a couple years ago that we will be – the team will be headed there again this year in a decent environment. So looking forward to playing a lot of those schools this year. Definitely, like we said, we it's one of those things where we kind of want and expect to almost knowing the team we can be. You know, we, we point out a couple games, and there are big ones we'll get to down the road, but a lot of we expect to win a lot of games in conference. So we'll see how that plays out. And it starts with Illinois State. We'll get it here in a second. Now, Noah, they came out with an updated bracketology, though, that Sam Herter came out with that if the playoff, if it started the day of the playoffs and what it would be, let's get into that. That's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm glad uh, I know Joe Lenardi's big thing, the bracketology and college basketball. So it's cool to see that Sam and Hero Sports is doing that for FCS football. I know a couple other sites do it as well, but uh, top seven seeds he had, or top eight seeds that would host. And the top uh, eight seeds get a bye, I believe, would be Sam Houston State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Montana, North Dakota State, Delaware. He has us at seven, so we would get a bye. UC Davis is the eight seed. So looking at the bracket here, 
as the seventh seed, we would host the winner of Missouri State Bears and the East Tennessee State University. So that would be great if we are a top seed and get a bye and be able to host. Yeah, home game, yeah. So that is big. I know, I think, um, if that would, the way I see it, looking at this bracket, I know our team doesn't care, but as a fan, you're going to be in the same bracket as James Madison, the two seed, as the seven. That's worrisome there. Then if you get through James Madison for the in the final four, you get the you get probably South Dakota State again, which we will see again this later this year, going up there again for a rematch. Yes, it's ever important. You know, obviously, yeah, you never want to fall on a certain part of a bracket. We know basketball is that case heading into their. Uh, Arch Madness tournament that it, obviously it matters which side you're on, even though you're confident to an extent. Knowing the team you are going in, that you can beat them, and beating Weber State on the road and almost beating South Dakota State, we know we can be a good road team in the playoffs, yeah, but having that home game for our sake and yeah, for the players' sake that we know it would be, because if it was packed on opening night, you would think, you know, down the road, even when it gets cold, that we would expect to have big crowds at the playoff games because. We recall even that cold that, you know, the North Dakota State game we had a couple of years ago uh, that we ended in that we almost won was frigid. So ha- even having games like that, that's when it's great, though, and you want to uh, play in games like that. So, yeah, you're right. Hosting one would be ever important. So And I will mention uh, Sam Harder does have the Dayton Flyers winning the Pioneer League and getting in the playoffs. And uh, what kind of seed and playing who? Uh, they will be. They will uh, play. Uh, they will play. If they win their first game, they get James Madison in the same bracket we are. So that is a cool to see. That shows you what kind of team they can be in their conference. Exactly, and it would look great on us as we've talked about that if we beat a team by fifty-two, but they managed to win their weak conference, but still winning your conference is beyond great. So if they can manage to do that, we'll be rooting for them to do so. The rest of the season, we talked about, yeah, we want to place good so that we can have these great matches at the end when we know we can beat some of these other teams that we want to face the great teams near the end when, of course, it matters to the utmost. So uh, that, that's where coming in, obviously, and trying to win our conference is huge to get one of those top seeds and even getting second or third and knowing that you'll be in a good spot. So, yeah, ever important conference play is beginning and we did mention how we want Dayton to play well the rest of the year. We also obviously want Kansas State to play well the rest of the year. They played Nevada this past week, Noah, and beat them. For, they ended up uh, getting away from them at the end of the game, but they got now ranked 25th in the country. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal for them and us. That shows you what kind of team we are, we played against, and uh, they're at Oklahoma State this weekend, so that's another battle for them that there's a – they're going to have to go on the road, and they're going to get a couple of home games against the top teams in that conference. So hopefully they take care of business for us. And uh, like you said, we want teams that we beat to go on. SEMO did not set themselves up very well. They played us, and they went to Sam Houston to get beat bad, and they got they got beat bad at Missouri at Mizzou yes or this past weekend. Yeah. So they schedule. I give them credit for scheduling those games, but that did not set them up. But I know they'll probably they're going to finish top three in that conference, even even though they are zero and three right now. Yeah, and we talked about instances like that where teams, you know, know. I think we're talking about with regular college football, and you know, decent teams scheduling. I think it was Cincinnati scheduling all these great games, and even they're ranked seventh. But since it's the fourteen playoffs, still they know, you know, and their their conference isn't kind of in flux anyway, but. 
uh, knowing they got to play these teams to give you a realistic shot of getting in the Final Four. Because, you know, obviously, if you even win your conference or you just win semi-decent games and you're ranked five or six or seven, obviously, you're not going to get in. So you got to do – so Simo kind of looks at it that way. I don't think they have – obviously, they have aspirations to be good and make the playoffs. But, you know, you schedule these games to know if you can at least put up a fight – that it looks good on you down the road if you can do good in your conference, yeah. So, um, you know, Missouri, you have to expect that. You know, I wouldn't – it'd be great to see us match up with Missouri. Who knows how that would happen. We talked today how Illinois football is still on trying to be on the up and up that we would like to play them this year. We know we play them down the road. So it's, it's teams like that that you think you can take at that level. You think you can, you know, put off an upset. And Simo had that chance and did not make up for They've been – like I said, we played. They played Sam Houston close, pulled away. So their average loss of margin these first three games is not good. I would love to know what that is, but so kudos to them for doing that. Yeah. So, but we hope they're they're good in conference as the other teams we've played so far. Yeah. So now, no, let's get in after these games. Uh, so updated on the career stats. Landon hasn't moved in his, even though he had a really good game, the seven for ninety eight, as we mentioned. Number three, still in receptions. I, I, he's not going to catch the other two guys. Number four in yards, he's got a chance to get in the third at some point. Uh, Vonte, still six in receptions, but now he's tied for sixth in yards. Javon is now number 11 in points. I'm not sure where that stood, actually, no, but he's number 11 in points. Uh, Knighton is number two in sacks, as we said. That's what Mike says. So we might, I mean, go by it. And you know, Todd said he tied it, so I guess we'll get some confirmation at some point, for sure, we have an idea he's still a half sack shy. Uh, Nico, number 12 now in points, the consistency that he's brought this year. We did mention Noah because Nico still kicked at the end of the game on the blow. We did see Jake Bumgart, uh, and you know him. You said hi to him at the SEMO game, but he was kicking in the net, but it's unfortunate he didn't get to come into the game and show what he could do. Yeah, I, I thought uh, when we scored those late touchdowns, he'd get a chance to maybe kick an extra point, even, even a kickoff even, and – he did not get that opportunity. I was kind of disappointed in that, and because everybody else on, on the team that was dressed got in the ball game. Yes, and we know that he will probably be the guy next year with Nico gone and the great career he's had. So number twelve in points, and obviously Snake picked our game Saturday at two o'clock. We'll get to that down the road. He also added Nico's number five in career PATs and seven in career field goals, and Javon. He added Javon's tied for fourth in career touchdowns. And he has two more years, good Lord, and, and fifth in rushing TDs. That's so. just unreal, man. He set himself up, though, for his great couple of years. We know he's battled injuries, but he was picked pre – you know, he's an All-American last year they picked him as, and he's picked this again, and he's got on good pace. He obviously had a great game and little, and little uh, attempts this game. So, obviously, he's got a lot of games left to prove it, and if he'll just – he will be – we don't know that we'll find out the numbers at some point. Again, obviously we have them to our, at our disposal to an extent, but he has a good chance of being in first or top two when it's all said and done. So especially with, you know, the added, obviously it's like with Landon, this extra added COVID year, especially for a lot of these guys, lets them be able to have these in points. So they have the advantage, but obviously they're taking advantage of what they're given. You know, they can't do anything about that. And obviously, they're going to stick around and try to win with these guys. And like we said, well, they don't care about their success. They want the team's success. We know Quay said on the billboard that, obviously, you know, he's so glad to have the fans back, and they just, they're just all striving for championships. So, great to see. It's great to see, though. Obviously, you want to take some credit 
for individually what you've been able to do. And I know all these guys appreciate that. So all of them will continue to climb the boards. Uh, so we wanted to get that in there. And Noah, now let's talk about some of the former Salukis in the NFL. Had a, some of them had a, a nice week too. There was only three to keep track of, but they all did pretty well. Yeah, they did great. Uh, Jeremy Chin, the, the Panthers got another victory. So he had three ta- solo tackles in that game. So that's props to him. They took down the Saints 26-27. to it's one of those things where we mentioned how it seemed how Dorian Davis seemed like he had a lot of more tackles than he did. I'm sure, you know, obviously Jeremy's one of the most important players in their defense, that how active he is, that I'm sure it seemed like he had a lot more. He's in every single uh, huddle or every single dog pile. So now, as we mentioned, Noah Michael Pruitt's back on the Titans, and he obviously with uh, your main Titan, Anthony Firstgrew, did not play right, so Michael had to step in, and he got the job done. Yeah, he did. He really he, he kind of sparked the offense himself. He only did with uh, three receptions for forty three yards. But he's a he's like kind of like Tice. If you need him to catch the ball, he was. But he's a great run blocker. That seems like a perfect comparison, kind of. Obviously, tight ends have to be able to block clearly, and they both can do that. But Michael's ability to receive, he's obviously a better receiver because he because uh, he's done it before and he holds all these records like he does. And he'll be going to the Hall of Fame, as we mentioned, homecoming weekend. He'll be back for that, we'd hope. Uh, so, and then one more, Noah, Ryan Neal, I mentioned, I've had class with him before. It's cool to see him in the league. And he, we heard his name on special teams. Yeah, he got a good special teams tackle. He's a big part of their special teams over there in Seattle. I'm sorry for your loss this weekend, though. Uh, good win for the Titans. Michael sparked that team going. Yeah, so two Salukis in the same game. And we know Ryan, he's been in those uh, situations before where obviously if he's called upon in games that he can make plays and make tackles, we've heard him before, even on big stages at prime time. So, and Craig James, we he's in the NFL too, but he's on the practice squad still for the Eagles. We know he had to end up finding his way into the game a couple of years ago and did well. So it's all about consistency with those guys. It's just great to see that they are all doing their thing up there. So... Noah, let's before we end with a little sneak peek to Illinois State. There is a tweet because we've talked about all the situations with Liz Jarnigan and the AD situation, the swimming team. That and my, Matt Kupek, who's the interim, also the CEO of SIU Foundation. He had a he was on the billboard or the uh, videotron this weekend talking about stuff. But here he is for the because the SA Foundation made a tweet that. The foundation has raised more than $25 million, which was just short of the record-setting $28 million raised. And the fiscal year 2020, the forever SIU campaign finished fiscal year 2021 at just more than $130.5 million. Uh, and he, Matt, was quoted, because of the generosity of our alumni and donors, we had our second-best fundraising year ever. We talked before, and even obviously Liz, before she was gone, that she talked about how Difficult it is to fundraise, and we know that in general to an extent how difficult it is. And Matt seems like he's done a good job, and we're also hoping, no, obviously, through all this turmoil that he's able to, you know, do good in this, but obviously be the interim and do his job well. We have a feeling he'll be able to do that. Yeah, I know he's not interested in the job for further years, but uh, it's it's good to see he's off to a good start in what he's done, and uh it, I read the article a little bit, something about this. This summer, the SAU Foundation agreed to provide a grant of $1.1 million to allow the further development of a uh, 
annex thing for the further the science institute so that's good to see they're off to that and they're getting they're raising some money through other things yes yeah, so he, he has done a good job of that we we've also talked about the situation with the athletics budget in general how that's going to play out the next three years so hopefully the whole money thing we we've said multiple times money talks and multiple facets but especially obviously you want to have revenue for your university and we know ours needs it so we hope the money involved with everything gets coordinated the correct way now noah let's talk about what we will actually obviously we will label this um well, we'll label we'll label the one down the road about the Illinois State preview, but this was the Dayton recap. But it's still good to sneak peek before we get into the full details, definitely. Uh, but what do we got? Some little stuff on the Redbirds. Like we said, we haven't played them in a couple of years, so we know they will run the ball, and we know that they will be a tough opponent. Yeah, we know uh, Coach Spack has done a great job with that program after spending eleven years as the DC at Purdue. Um, they've played multiple quarterbacks so far. No one, their main quarterback, who Nick Hill mentioned, is an athlete, got banged up. So they've played a little bit two quarterbacks. We'll see what happens there. Um, their defense is going to be very physical, so we're going to become ready to play. As we know, in the Valley, can't take any team lightly, no matter who it is, because like Nick Hill says, you'll take a team lightly and they'll put a whipping on you no matter what. And Nick Hill said, Last two games we played them, they pretty much dominated us. So let's turn that around. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure definitely with them missing a year that things have changed to an extent, uh, probably because they've had semi the same players. But, you know, missing a year, not playing at all, obviously I'm sure they've, uh, you know, practiced obviously throughout that time and were able to stay afloat for the most part and get up to this. So we'll talk about how where they stand and their rankings on Friday. And some quick quotes before that, or that Nick mentioned prior, that obviously they have a couple playmakers we'll get to, that some new faces, but they have the same story. So we'll talk more about that on Friday. It'll be interesting to get into that. Yeah, as we said, been a tough opponent over the years. So we'll be looking forward to that, to open Missouri Valley play. And at that time, we will also give a preview of what to expect around the Valley and who faces who and what the matchups could be. So... Definitely looking forward to that, hoping, as we've said before, that the crowd comes out because um, we know the players appreciate it as they do. The coaches do. Everybody does. So hopefully that stays consistent throughout the rest of the year. So for Nick Malone. No alert. This has been the 19th episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. To recap Dayton, we will be previewing Illinois State on Friday. Stay tuned for that. Go Dogs.